0: Welcome to Restoration Church. Today's villain is every (laughs) three-year-old. Today's villain is Hopper from the movie Bugs Life. We'll talk about him in just a second, and I'll communicate with you who our villain is for today. First, I want to welcome everybody to Restoration Church at all of our locations uh, this morning. Uh, at, at our services, we're joined in with our Plymouth location and our Milton location. so hello to them. Will you guys welcome them to our service? <laughs> Excited for today and for our message. Uh, it's been a good morning of worship here in Dover. Um, just love to be in the presence of God. and as we walked in today, I certainly felt it and I, I could I heard a couple of the band members expressed it as well. But it just, it's just one of those mornings, man, you would just walk in and you just are kind of immersed in the presence of God, excited for Him, and uh, knowing that He's moving in people's hearts and lives. It is a good thing. Would you agree? That's good. Well, um, before we kind of jump into the message, I just wanted to communicate and share with you one thing. As we pray as Restoration Church, it's always praying, you know, our heart is the mission that Jesus has given every Christian. It's the great commission. Uh, You may have heard it uh, referred to in church that way, if you come from another church background. At Restoration Church, we communicate it with three words, just one more. Jesus had called us to make disciples in all nations. And so when is that done? Well, until he returns, it's not done. And so our prayer is, God, who's Kind of who's the next one? Who's the next opportunity? And you know, allow me, even on my deathbed, to reach just one more person for you, to bring one more person with me to the kingdom of God. And uh, sound guys, I don't know if you can help me out a little bit. I'm hearing some feedback on my end, but this, you know, all of our prayers, we we just never know what God's up to. And so over the last Couple of weeks, there's been opportunities kind of put before us, put before our church that we're praying through as, as a pastoral team. We're praying through as a leadership team. And there are, um, you know, even opportunities put before that we haven't even communicated with staff that, uh, you, you know, that, that I'm praying about. And I'm talking with Michelle and we're praying about this week. Uh, earlier this week, I had to go to a um, had to go to a conference for uh, for the grant that we that we oversee, and I was invited to breakfast with um, by one of the top grant writers in the United States, and he's not a, he he um, you know he's he's known for just his excellence in work. And he began to talk to me about some of the dreams that have been in our heart, some of the dreams that we probably haven't communicated publicly since like 2011, 2012. And all of a sudden, as I kind of sat there at the breakfast, I just began to click in my my head like, God, these prayers that we prayed, that we've been even silently praying, God, you might be opening those doors right now. And then other opportunities besides that, like at this conference, it was just, uh, you know, it's just conversation and, and opportunities and follow-up Zoom meetings after the conference. And we have opportunity, not just for Restoration Church, but for the churches in, in uh, you know, in New Hampshire, churches that surround us. So let me just say this, and I'm not going to explain because I don't want to take all my time, but. If you have access, you might own it, you may know someone who owns it, but a 10,000 to 30,000 square foot warehouse space, if you have access to that, even if it's less, if it is over 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 square feet of warehouse space, will you please, at any of our locations, will you please message me this week, all right? And, um, and we can just begin to knock on some doors and see if one of these opportunities that was put before us is something that God has for us. So one of the ways that we know God has something for us is when there's a b- kind of the miraculous provision that comes be- you know, behind it. When we moved into this Dover building in, in 2012, the building... You know, on paper, it was not anything we could afford, but then we got the, the word of the Lord from the real estate agent that said, you can pretty much make any offer, and they'll accept it. <laughs> That's permission from God to move forward, and so we made a ridiculous offer, and obviously we're here, so that rest is history. So anyway, these are some doors we're knocking on. What I would encourage, what I would, not even encourage, what I would ask of every person in our church is to pray, God, Give us, give us the right opportunities. Give us the provision to pursue these opportunities. And, you know, as we sit here today, um, I am very, very excited and overwhelmed at what God is setting up, what he's setting up. Kind of, he's, He, you know, if you, baseball analogy, he's putting the ball on the tee for us just to hit it, just to hit that home run, and uh, I'm pumped about that. Well, let's jump into the message. Uh, Open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, and we're going to be in Exodus uh, in a few different chapters through our message today, so you'll kind of want to keep that open and follow along. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 1, and our villain today is a guy with the title Pharaoh. And through our reading today, we'll actually be talking about two different pharaohs. And pharaohs, one of those people, he's pretty famous. And um, this first part of scripture we'll read is, the pharaoh that made the order for every Hebrew boy to be killed. All right, so why is he a villain? Well, it just, uh, you know, if you're enacting a genocide, you're a villain. It's pretty easy from there. And then... When he passed away and his son took over the rule of Egypt, the, the son, as you see, was a harsh and brutal slave owner. And he rebelled against God. He, uh, and, and, and so we'll talk through that. But, so these pharaohs, we're talking about title of pharaoh, but in our scripture today it's covering two guys that existed during the life of Moses. So let's start with this, Hebrews chapter one, looking at verse number eight. said, eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. So maybe you're like, Pharaoh, you don't know who Joseph is. He didn't know, you have no idea what he's done. So why is that relevant to the message today? Let me give you just a little bit of a brief history here. Joseph, um, and and maybe you'll you can connect who he is through references in pop culture or from old Bible stories, but we'll connect the dots for you. Joseph is that play Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. That's not—I mean—that's based loosely on who this guy is. Joseph in the Coat of Many Colors. You may remember from Sunday school. Joseph was someone who was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was um, end up being put in prison because of false accusations against him. And then from slavery to prisoner, he became second in charge in the nation of Egypt. Pretty obviously miraculous. Here's this Hebrew who's been sold as a slave in Egypt, imprisoned in Egypt, which we would think like Russian prison, you're never coming out. And now he is second in charge just think about that WNBA player, if all of a sudden we find news tomorrow, she's second in charge in Russia. Like, this is what's going on with Joseph. How could this happen but for the favor of God? So he became second in charge in Egypt because he saved Egypt. He, and, he, and he saved his family and many from Israel who moved with his family. There was a famine coming that God had showed Joseph and he allowed the nation to prepare for it, and through a seven-year famine, they had everything they needed because God had spoke to Joseph. So Joseph's in charge. the The Egyptians and the uh, and the Hebrew people are are commingling. They're they're you know they're in a culture together. They're Serving together, they're benefiting each other. They are one group of people living within Egypt. But then a king came to power who didn't know Joseph. He didn't know about this relationship. He didn't know what had happened. And he began to get suspicious of them. He says in, it says in verse number nine that he said, Look, the people of Israel now, out, now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. He began to get fearful of them. Let me say this, jumping back to verse number eight, we have a spiritual enemy which has been our focus in this series to, to understand that there's a, that there's a villain in our life trying to keep us from our narrative, trying to keep us from our happy ending and and, and obviously our happily ever after is is eternity with. Jesus, eternity, you know, able to be just fully immersed at all times in the presence of God and, and living in the the, the, this, uh, the life after this one. Well, there's an enemy trying to keep us from that. And our enemy doesn't care about who you used to be. Just as Pharaoh, he had no, he didn't care what the, what the Israelites had done previously and what the generations before them had done. In fact, he had no memory of it. Your spiritual enemy doesn't care who you were last year. He doesn't care how spiritual you were last year. He doesn't care about what you did for the kingdom of God last year or in the years previously. He doesn't keep his hands off of you because of your pedigree. What he looks at is, what's your position today? And is there a opportunity for him to control you today? Is there an opportunity for him to make you his slave today? Is there an opportunity to bring and repeat bondages from past sins? Is there that that opportunity? When we talk about having a relationship with Jesus and following Jesus and walking with Jesus daily, this is one of the reasons why we do that, not out of fear, but we need to recognize how quickly we can go from being a follower of God to being people who follow Jesus to being people who are in bondage again, who are in bondage to things Jesus already freed us from, who have allowed ourselves to be controlled by something that God has not ordained for us to be controlled by. What happened is the enemy was fearful of the Israelites, so he began to put them under his control. In verse number 11 of chapter 1, it says, so the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. We don't know exactly exactly, how they did that in that sentence, but you're sure that there was probably a struggle, but the group of people who outnumbered, right? They were stronger and they were bigger in in numbers than the Egyptians, but yet they got stuck under their control. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with their crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Python and and Ramses as supply centers for the king. Let's talk about our our spiritual enemy, all right? So as we look today at what these pharaohs did to the the Israelites, we're going to look at what the enemy maybe has done to you or will try to do to you. For you and for me and for us as Restoration Church and for Christians across the world, the enemy fears us. He fears us, and, and we, can be, uh, you, we can be afraid of the enemy, we can be afraid of, of what the enemy can do to us and do to our family, but really there's nothing we need to be afraid of. We, through the resurrection power of Jesus within us, we are, we are bigger, we are stronger The only reason that we end up in his, under his submit, like under his control is because of our choices, because of our, um, because of maybe a wrong theology, but sometimes just because it's been so long, we've just haven't maintained that daily walk with Jesus. And we end up in slavery, and sometimes we don't even necessarily know that we're there. Because the enemy fears you and me, he fears churches, he fears restoration church, what his goal is, it's very similar to Pharaoh's, his goal is to just distract you. What did Pharaoh do to the Israelites? He gets them into slavery and work them hard. Work them hard, work them hard. They don't have time to think about the freedom that they just walked away from. They don't have time to think about... uh, making a revolt. They don't have time to do anything but work, work them, distract them. I mean, is this not the same strategy for us? He fears what we'll do with the power of God. He fears the gospel, the good news of Jesus. So what is his first step in our lives is to distract us. And the distraction for you and for me, there, they could be different distractions, but But he does everything he can to distract us from living out God's call on our life, individually and collectively. You hear about, um, you, you know, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you probably know someone who used to go to a church and the whole church blew up because people were fighting about what color the walls were painted in the church or what color carpet was put down on the floor. And so churches are distracted by temporary things and they begin fighting about things that have no eternal value at all. And that's all the that's all the enemy had to do. Oh, you're a church. You carry the power of God, the good news of Jesus that brings salvation. <laughs> Let's just paint the wall a color and then you guys will blow yourselves up. And that's all he has to do. For some He's going to work much harder, distracting us through offense. That we're offended by another believer, by another person, even by another church. And so we can never engage ourselves in the mission God has us on. He's called us to because we're distracted. Some of us, we're just distracted by our comfort. We're distracted by our personality. We're distracted by our hobbies. We're distracted by our job. But distracted us. Stop and think and recognize for a minute. What, where am I? What have I done? What have I allowed myself to be distracted by? So in Exodus chapter 2, looking down to verse number 23, we mean to read the years passed and the king of Egypt died. So Pharaoh number one dies. Pharaoh number two comes into power. And it says the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They, they recognize something's wrong. They recognize that things should be different. And they begin to cry out to God. So maybe that's where you are. You've been distracted for so long, but man, there is an ache in your heart or there's now a, a dysfunction in your life. You begin to wait. I, I, I think something's the outcome of where I am now is not the outcome where I want to be. I recognize now it's not the outcome of where God wants me to be. I begin to cry out to God. So God hears hears their groaning. He remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and he knew that it was time to act. So at this part in our account is where Moses comes into leadership. And Moses is a name that you might be familiar with. That's the guy who God spoke the Ten Commandments to. He was a great leader and a mighty man of God. But not at first. God calls Moses to deliver his people, and this is not a message about Moses, but he was reluctant, but eventually stepped into his calling. And he goes to Pharaoh, and you got to realize what Pharaoh, he's going to ask Pharaoh, hey, let let the Israelites go free. Release them from slavery. And Pharaoh has about a one million slaves. And that's just not something you can let go. I mean, read about American slavery and slave owners who had a hundred slaves and how they... You, you, you know, what they would communicate, like, if you, if you um, end slavery, it'll cause economic disaster on my family. And, and the arguments they had, well, here's Pharaoh, he's got a, a million slaves. He's not just going to let them go. He's not going to just let them out of his control. And again, just thinking about ourselves personally, if we've allowed ourselves to to return to bondages or to be slaves to sins in our life, the enemy doesn't just let us go the first time we ask him to. He's got us under his control. He wants to keep us under his control. So flip over to Exodus chapter 5, and now you have Moses and his brother Aaron coming before Pharaoh to make a, to make a request. And so they ask him, hey, will you let us go? Will you let us go into the wilderness and, and worship and hold a festival in the honor of God? And in verse number two of chapter five, the second Pharaoh, he responds, oh, is that so? Who is the Lord? And Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and so I'm not going to let Israel go. But then he begins to f- feel the fear that the other Pharaoh felt. And so, when the enemy is fearful of you, what does the enemy do? The enemy tries to distract you. And we see that here in verse number six. It says, That same day, Pharaoh sent this order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves, but still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy, That's why they're crying out. Let us go out and offer sacrifices to our God. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to lies. And I'll just kind of pause right here. If you ever felt that you wanted to worship God, but when you try to worship God, it becomes more difficult for you. This is the enemy's playbook. Oh, you want to worship? Let me make you regret that decision. In verse number 13, so the Egyptian slave drivers continued to push hard. Meet your daily quota of bricks just as you did when we provided you with straw, they demanded. Then they whipped the Israelite foremen they had put in charge of the work crews. Why haven't you met your quotas either yesterday or today, they demanded. So there's a progress here. The enemy doesn't want to let us out of his control He's got you and he wants to keep you. So if he can't distract you, what is he going to try to do? He's going to try to dominate you. Hey, I, you, I, can't, I can't distract you. Let me just try to make you miserable. Let me make you regret that you ever asked, that you ever tried to follow God, that you ever tried to worship, that you ever tried to change. The, The thing here, and if you go back, if you can think about our our, our sermon about the mice at some point last year, he's got no real ability to dominate you. If you're a follower of Jesus, he has no real ability to dominate you. It's his lies and his deception and our capitulation, our, our just submission to him that allows him to have authority in our life. He's got no real authority to do that. So think about your addiction, your bondage, your sin, your your problems. They do not they do not have to stay. And if you say, "Well, I prayed about it once, or I prayed about it for a while and nothing ever changed." Again, recognize he's not just going to let you go. He's going to try to dominate you and double down and make it far worse for you to get you to give up and submit to him, and submit to his control over your life. As a church body, well, number one, we outnumber him. As a church body, even as individuals with the resurrection power of Jesus within us as followers of him, we have more power than he does. We have more power. We, can't, we do not have to allow ourselves to be stuck in the lives that you may find yourself in right now. In the habitual sins or the, or the deep bondages, you can be free. I want to show you another clip from that movie. And I want you to just, just think about this as, right? As an individual following Jesus and as a body of Christ, as a church following Jesus... What right does the enemy have to stop us from reaching New Hampshire with the good news of Jesus Christ? What ability does he have to stop us? Watch this. Guys, order another round because we're staying here. thinking going back to ant. I I mean, we just got here and we have more than enough food to get us through the winter, right? Why go back? But there was that ant that stood up to me. Yeah, but well we can forget about her. Yeah, it was just one, extra... <laughs> <laughs> one. <laughs> ant. You're right. It's just one ant. Yeah, boss. They're puny. Hmm, puny? Say, let's pretend this brain is a puny little ant. Did that hurt? <laughs> nope. Well, how about this one? Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> how about this? You let one end Hey, I don't know if you heard that at every location, but man, we're having ushers bring out some chicharrones, and we're going to have a good time. I don't even think that's on the, I don't know, anyway. La cucaracha, what does that mean? Anybody, anybody, what does that really mean? Maybe it's the word of the Lord for us. It means cockroach. I don't think that's the word of the Lord for us. There was that ant that stood up to me. Listen, we can about he's him. got no real ability what to what dominate you. <laughs> and when you recognize that, right. you say, wait it's a minute. Yeah, boys, the Bible puny. says. Hmm. Puny. Say, Wait a minute. The Bible says a puny little ant. that he son who let the sun sets free is well, how about this one? free indeed. Are you kidding? Wait a minute. The Bible says He is the way, the truth, and the life. Wait a minute. The Bible says that I am joint heirs, co-heirs with Christ to everything that God the Father has. Why am I allowing myself to be dominated? Why am I allowing myself? And, and, my out, and my family and my life to be controlled by it's an enemy that is weaker than the power of god, in god that's that's why we're going back. and when you recognize the power of god stay? within you you have no choice but to act like the enemy has no choice but to act like pharaoh did Let's so in ride. this portion of scripture when moses and aaron say hey let let the people go let God's people go, and Pharaoh's like, I don't know who God is. I don't care who God is. Nope, I'm gonna make it even more miserable for you. You forget about this God of yours, guys. And then this order is where famously the ten different plagues happened, here. as God poured out His power. Yeah. So ultimately, going? ultimately, what does the enemy have to do when I mean, the power of God's revealed have more in a church, food in food your, food 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 your food life, why for back? a nation? The enemy has to relent. He's got no choice. He but cannot hold on that? to control yeah. forever. Why? Because he's not powerful enough to. Yeah, he has funny. to relent. He he has to let go. He has to, in yeah, Jesus' right. name, it's loose his grip on your life. Yeah, yeah, he puny. has to. Hmm. Puny. He cannot stand to the Holy Spirit within you. He cannot stand up to the presence of God. He cannot stand up to the words of God. He can't maintain control over you unless you allow it. If you stand up, He'll relent. He will let His grip go. You will enter into your freedom. But here's where people get caught up and get... Stuck because they well, I tried it, it didn't work. It you felt good for a little bit, but then now it's the same problems as ever. What happened up. is when Pharaoh those let the Israelite people go. Verse number, chapter 14, if verse if they number they five. Out, said when word reached the king of life. Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away? He'll, he'll relent, right? The power of God within your life. You're going to have a moment of breakthrough maybe today where it's a peace that you've never felt before. It's a freedom that you've never felt before. God does something miraculous and powerful in your life. And maybe he's going to let go of his grip, but you know what? About Monday or Tuesday, maybe even a couple of weeks from now, maybe even a couple of years from now, he's going to think, what was I doing letting that person go? And he's going to make an attempt to recapture you. Sometimes it's awareness of what we're tempted by or even what our families have been tempted by. So who were you you before before Christ? And he's going to probably make inroads into that same avenue. Trying to get you back, trying to lure you back, trying to bring you back into bondage under his control. But listen, listen, He may chase you, he may pursue you, but he won't catch you unless you stop running after God. He can't catch you. He can't steal you, steal your family, steal your testimony. He can't catch you unless you give up, unless you stop running after God. He can't recapture you because we've got to remember this. Again, this is, this, is, this is deep theology. This is the word of God. This is what we stand on. He can't recapture you because God has redeemed you. The Israelites, they were brought into slavery. What did God do? God purchased them back. Nope, they're mine again. And when Pharaoh loads up 600 chariots and they say, let's go get them back, we've made a mistake. No, God's not going to allow that to happen. No, I purchased them back. They're mine. They're mine. Pharaoh didn't realize. He he thought he was going head-to-head with Moses. What he didn't realize is he was going head-to-head with God. The enemy is trying to get you to believe that it's your fight that you're fighting. That's not your fight. He's not going head-to-head with you. He's going head-to-head with God. He he cannot win. they are not equals. He cannot win. As a church, pursuing these opportunities that are in front of us. As a church, having services and preaching the good news of Jesus in the least church state in the country. As a church, you know, full of people who are the first Christians in their life and as far back as they can ever remember. As a church, believing God, not just having services, but saying, God, if you'll do the impossible through us, we'll, we'll, we'll do the impossible for you. Enemy wants to distract us through offense. Who, who, can, who can he get offended at another person? Who can he get to complain about maybe something that we're doing stylistically or, or some, something that doesn't meet your preferences? Who can you get to begin to complain and grumble and gossip? How, how can he distract us and make it about something other than just one more? Make it other than those who don't yet know what can he do to distract us? If he can't, if he if can begin to distract us, then he can begin to dominate us. Just make it so miserable for us that we give up. Make it too hard for us that we won't continue. But if we stand firm on the word of God, church, listen, if we stand firm on the word of God, He's got to relent. He's got to let go. He can't keep a grip on a child of God. He can't keep a grip on a, on a church that's pursuing God. He, he has to let go. Even, even through his pale white knuckles, he has to let go. He can't hold on to us. He can't hold us back when we're pursuing God. He'll make every attempt he can to recapture us. But church we are redeemed by jesus we've been bought by his blood we are no longer slaves to sin we are children of god i'm going to ask you to respond at every location and so certainly Plymouth the milton and if you're online i can't see you respond but i'm going to ask you to respond even if you're sitting on your couch and in this room i'm going to ask you to respond Hopper, that villain in that last clip we just watched, he says, If one ant stands up to me, they're all going to start to stand up to me. And what happens? Our way of life is gone, our control is gone. And I just want to know is there an ant in this room who'd say, I'm going to follow God? I'm going to follow God. Today, tomorrow, I'm going to follow God. And we got some ants standing. Is there anybody else who'd say, you just stand up and say, yeah. We're standing up to the works of the enemy in our household, in our life, in our in our neighborhoods, in our state, in our country, in this world. We're going to stand up to the enemy's control We've been redeemed by God. We are bearers of the good news of Jesus. We are carriers of the presence of God. All heaven, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you, has been given to us through Christ Jesus. This is a big moment for us. Even though we're watching movie clips What's happening right now is really, really important to the future of our church. These are important moments. We have an opportunity to play church and just have services and be comfortable. We have an opportunity to change eternity for a lot of people. People are living under the control of Hopper. They're living under the control of Pharaoh. They're living under control of our spiritual enemy. But if we won't allow him to control us, then you know what they say? They look at you. They look at us. They look at church and they say, I want Jesus too. I want to follow him too. And they receive the freedom that only Jesus brings.